0: Hi everyone, I'm Jess and today I'll be hosting this episode of the podcast on innovation in caregiving. I'm really excited to be joined by Kezia Jaguna, who is the co-founder of Empathy Algorithm. She has an aeronautical engineering background and she's really passionate about using science and technology to solve what is a very basic but critical issue in the care delivery process. So with over a decade of experience, I can't wait to hear all of her fantastic insights thank you so much for joining us Kezia.
1: Thank you for having me. It really is a
0: a pleasure to have you and we can't wait to hear more about your company and everything about care and technology but to start with could you just tell us a little bit about your career journey so far and how you actually got into caregiving and and technology.
1: So um, initially uh, I went to college in a very small town in the midwest those who are familiar with US geography. Um, It's called Warrensburg in a state called Missouri. And um, it was a very small town, a college town. And we would often venture out into the bigger cities, into St. Louis, into Kansas City, um, basically to get, you know, to live. And um, the more I interacted with the people that were in my circle, who were mostly women of color, um, I started noticing a pattern. Most of them were in the, uh, in the home health industry, either as caregivers or um, as agency owners or working for other agencies. And um, coming from Kenya, uh, our elderly care setup is very different. We're more of a communal, Uh, kind of set up. So I got very curious about um, the U.S. system and I started to try to find correlations with um, these women that I was interacting with on the day-to-day and what they were doing for a living. So the more I delved into it, the more I started to notice a lot of holes, basically, and discrepancies in the care delivery process from one caregiver to another um, I became a caregiver myself, and um, I would notice a lot of um, nonverbal cues. For example, if, if I look at somebody who is um, non-communicative, when one caregiver walks in versus when another caregiver walks in, and um, it led me to start questioning, you know, what is good care? Um, Why are these people responding one way to one caregiver and responding another way to another caregiver? Um, How do you define good care? How do you quantify good care? How do you replicate that good care so that you can weed out the bad care? And basically that's how Empathy was born.
0: That's a really amazing kind of backstory. Thank you very much for sharing. So one of the things you mentioned was you're really interested in the kind of U.S. care system and one of the biggest challenges that not only the U.S. but worldwide we're starting to face is the really ageing population that we're seeing. So can you explain to us why it's really important in particular to focus on the care of the elderly?
1: Um, So currently uh, the trend in the Western world is that the older population is outnumbering the younger population. Um, in the U.S. in particular, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. And as it is right now, there is a caregiver crisis. There's a short, uh, a big shortage of caregivers, um, not just in the U.S., but in other Western countries as well. Um, we've seen Canada trying to give um, visas to people to come into Canada for caregiving. Um, recently, we've seen um, the UK, for example, getting into a partnership with Kenya um, to get nursing staff from Kenya. So this is a global problem, and it's only going to get more compounded with time as people get older. We have, you know, a better healthcare system. Uh, we're leaving <laughs> uh, much longer than people used to, um, you know, before. So in the next 10, 20 years, we're looking at a looming crisis and it's important for us and for people, not just empathy, but others in this field to come together and find a solution.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's quite staggering, the stats, but uh, it's something that we need to readily, <laughs> proactively address really as our population continues to age. Um, yes. So your company is called Empathy Algorithm. So you told us a little bit about the backstory, but how did you come to that name?
1: So when I was doing my initial studies into into this field, um, the word that kept coming up was empathy, Um, not just from the caregivers themselves, but from the families and also from the people receiving care. And um, in my quest to solve this problem, I realized that you actually have to provide the care to be able to come up with a solution. There are small nuances in caregiving that um, uh, are there in simple procedures like giving a shower, for example, that you know, an able-bodied person just, you know, you don't think about it. You just walk into the shower, take your shower and go to work. But, you know, when it comes to somebody who has some cognitive challenges like Alzheimer's or dementia, um, a shower process can become a very daunting task. So trying to find the little nuances, being able to capture the essence of what the good caregiver is going to do to ease that process for the person receiving the care and then capturing that in machine learning, so that we can be able to disseminate that to other caregivers in the team and to other people in the industry so that we can be able to um, spread this out, uh, essentially to other caregivers, whether family caregivers or paid caregivers is the essence of, um, of empathy algorithm. So uh, we are what we're trying to do is to capture the caregiving process use machine learning and technology to be able to um, create um, uh, correlations and then be able to disseminate that information out in the industry.
0: It's really interesting and all the kind of different applications you mentioned of how technology can really help to to replicate those nuances and bring the empathy back I think is is really important and how did your time and experience like working in caregiving help you to develop the technology
1: um so in caregiving unlike um in other you know forms of uh, data capturing like EHR um we don't deal with measurables it's very hard to determine um if if a toileting toileting process was successful or not in terms of, you know, just um, um, in terms of data. But we have come up with processes where we're able to capture the activities of daily living, which are essentially the activities that you do on a day-to-day. We're able to measure that individually for each person depending on their abilities, their capabilities, and their baseline. And then we're able to determine whether um, they are improving, whether they're staying where they are, or whether they're declining. And um, one of the biggest thing actually that uh, empathy focuses on is is abuse. Um, Because we notice that um, with a lot of the measurements that we were doing for the ADLs, the activities of daily living, um, if, if somebody is, is getting more bruises, for example, if one caregiver is there than another, then the system is able to flag that. If I, as i am a member of a team and the showers are only happening on my shift and not on Susan's shift, then why is that happening? So being able to capture those intangibles, those um, things that would be considered unmeasurable, and then being able to um, put that into our system, being able to make correlations, and then being able to make conclusions out of that um, is essentially the core of our business.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting how you say you kind of had to create your own measures slightly non-traditional for most businesses. So how did you then go about getting funding for the launch? Um, Did you bootstrap or fundraise? And how did you get people to buy into your measures that you defined yourself?
1: So um, we are bootstrapped. Um, We we emerged from stealth in June of last year. Uh, Empathy has been in the making since 2019, but we were getting our MVP together. And um, uh, essentially, in the beginning, we just started out as word of mouth, we reached out to people that we knew in the industry, we said, we have this product, we think it's going to solve some of the problems that you're running into, and <laughs> would you mind trying it out. And um, basically, that word of mouth from a few people ended up starting to grow. And um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's um, how we've, we've come to where we are right now.
0: That's great. It sounds like you're really solving a problem that people had, that they didn't know there was a solution to. So uh, it's nice to see that you've had that kind of organic growth. What would you say is like your USP as a company?
1: So um, as of right now, uh, it is using, uh, um, basically serving the, the care delivery process end to end, using machine learning and technology to be able to preserve the quality of life through good quality of care. It's
0: a very powerful statement that. Um, (laughs) Do you also see the company kind of championing small businesses that are working on personalizing healthcare or like how do you see yourself fitting in that bigger paradigm?
1: So for the most part, uh, empathy in its core, the way it's built, it's built to support small businesses. Um, and one of the biggest things that we noticed was that it, with the home health um, uh, software businesses that are out there right now, um, a lot of them focused on the administrative part and not the care delivery process. So um, it was very fragmented in that it would uh, the, the software products that are there would solve one problem but then the um, the caregivers and the agency owners would have to buy a third party product to be able to service other uh, issues in their their business. But what we were able to do is to come up with a completely um, uh, mobile platform that is run remotely uh, for the agency, uh, for the caregivers and also for family members. And the reason it was important for us to do that is because um, The agency part, especially the administrative from invoicing, from scheduling, um, from payroll um, was not completely web-based and the caregivers as well could be able to have knowledge transfer on site without having to leave and and go somewhere else without there being a gap in um, the service provision. If you have 10 caregivers um, that have to provide a service to two or three people, how do you pass on the message on uh, what the preferences are, what the individual um, likes for breakfast, uh, what medications they take, what they're allergic to? Those are things that we're able to solve on mobile. Um, The family is able to keep track of everything that's happening with their loved one in real time as well. So we just have the entire care delivery process on mobile and on web as well.
0: So you've talked about kind of the um, machine learning algorithms and and the AI that underpins your technology and your platform and your offering. Could you explain a little bit more about how that works to improve the care?
1: So um, for the most part, uh, care delivery uh, kind of... um, in the current setup that we have, it kind of goes up and down depending on who the caregiver is at that moment. There is no way of standardizing um, the care delivery process. If I'm there for a shift from seven to three, for example, and I'm an empathetic caregiver, I know everything that this person needs because I have been with them for a long period of time. Um, If there's a new caregiver coming in for the 3 to 11 shift, there might be that dip if it's somebody who is new, who doesn't understand this person, who doesn't know what their needs and wants and preferences are. So we focused a lot on um, uh, the knowledge transfer, making sure that the care delivery process from one person to another with the caregiver coming in, they have all the information on their fingertips. They know what this person likes for breakfast, what they're allergic to, what their medications are. Um, And then out of that entire care delivery process of the day with them doing what they need to do in the shift with all the information they have, we have a charting system at the end of the shift. It is standardized so that we're able to capture the data in a standardized format. Um, there are certain questions that we have in this are um, on specific uh, care delivery tasks that have been had during the day um, on toileting on eating on um, drinking on mobility and uh, we're able to make certain correlations that uh, we believe have not been made before if you look at something like drinking for example, um, If a person drinks six to eight glasses of water in a day, and on a particular day they drink two, and we notice that for a few days that has happened, and their behavioral changes um, at certain times of day, then we can be able to say, you know what, this person might have a UTI. So we have not just made the correlation between um, the drinking um, dipping on the day to day, but we've been able to make a correlation in terms of a a possible health outcome, which is a a urinary tract infection. So for us, it's about connecting the dots. Again, since we're looking at this from a holistic view, from an end to end, we're able to make those kinds of conclusions. If for example, somebody goes to a doctor on a Monday uh, with one caregiver, And um, they're supposed to go to the same doctor on a Wednesday when this particular caregiver is not there. How do you pass on the information from one um, caregiver on one shift to another caregiver on another shift? And once you do that, once they go to that doctor and the medication is changed, how do you communicate that to all the caregivers on the shift in real time? And then how do you communicate the behavioral or the health, um, you know, observable changes of this person to the entire team? And how do you make conclusions from that? If um, someone maybe has an increase of five milligrams uh, of a psychiatric medication, (laughs) and you notice that there are behavioral changes, uh, you know, in the evening, three days in a row, Um, Is that an effect of the medication or is that just, you know, the aging process? Is that just, you know, um, a decline in terms of of their health condition? So we're we're able to use machine learning and analytics to do that.
0: Wow. Really bringing in the behavioral aspect as well is is really powerful. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of speechless just hearing you speak with us. (laughs) Yeah, you must collect so much data and as you said connecting the dots can really help not just the caregivers, but also like physicians to really understand what's happening in the day to day and which yeah. is obviously going to improve care for everyone. So that's that's amazing. And um, to do something like this, though, you must have to have a, a lot of different backgrounds and areas of expertise in your team. So what were the challenges when building your team to support your vision?
1: So actually, um. I think the biggest I guess (laughs) uh, we've been lucky in that the team that we have now we had worked on a previous project together so we kind of all know each other we know each other's strengths um, we know each other's weaknesses from working together in the previous project so for us it was kind of just merging and migrating to something that we all believe in and um being in the thirties and forties age group, we're in that uh, time period where our parents are aging as well. So looking at the kind of needs and adaptations that we have had to do personally. um, And, and, you know, one, one of our co-founders had um, a parent who unfortunately passed away from cancer, but going through that process um, in Kenya and realizing that the same issues that we're we're facing with caregiving um, here in the US and we're trying to solve here in the US is the same issue that um, he faced when he was, you know, his father was going through um, the cancer treatment in Kenya, um, kind of made the compounded the issue for us in that this is a global problem And we look at it as more of our issue when we're passionate about it, because we feel like we're also headed in the caregiving space as well, not just with our parents, with our family members, but ourselves as well. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of us who work in healthcare have some kind of personal story or experience that has brought us all to what we're doing today. And I think it's a great motivator for everyone. Um, It wouldn't be a podcast in these times if we didn't talk a little bit about the pandemic. So, during the COVID-19 pandemic, <laughs> caregivers were really unsung heroes across the globe. Um, why did you decide to focus the solution on caregivers and agencies, rather than directly the aging population or perhaps the disability community?
1: So essentially, um, we looked at it as, as you know, the cogs in the wheel, the, the moving parts that you know, make a part of the whole and um, the caregivers and the agencies currently are the biggest parts of, of, of the caregiving process and essentially if you're able to focus on the caregivers the people that actually deliver most of the bedside care then you are able to directly impact the quality of life of the people in the elderly care and the disability care industry so um, in essence we really are solving their problem but going about it by going directly to um, what would be the way to solve the problem because it would be the source of the problem unfortunately (laughs) to put it that way yeah
0: kind of like the root cause which can have a positive knock-on effect for all of those communities
1: exactly
0: and as a relatively new business before the pandemic hit, what has the impact of COVID-19 been on, on your business, on your growth and, and your plans? Uh,
1: so, the uh, basically, I think the biggest impact that I can speak on, um, there, there are several things that have affected us, obviously, um, in this space with COVID, but... Um, it's, it, it just validated our emphasis on caregivers as an integral part of the healthcare system. And, uh, you know, before caregiving was, and it still is viewed as blue collar. Um, a lot of the people that are in caregiving are not people with degrees. And um, the biggest issue for me now is, is dignifying the art of caregiving. And um, for the most part in I have always been a caregiver um, advocate. (laughs) But uh, with COVID happening, it's making me want to be more vocal on on the importance of dignifying the craft so that we're able to get more people to join it. Uh, We need to review the caregiver salaries, uh, remunerations. A lot of uh, the caregivers are paid very poorly, yet they provide most of the bedside care. There is a lot of caregiver burnout and there's a big caregiver short um, shortage. Uh, There's a big cost of care, you know, affordability of caregivers is going up. So uh, for us at Empathy, this creates other problems for us to solve. And um, that's one of the updates that we want to deal with is, is solving the issue of the caregiver shortage
0: yeah I think one of the biggest learnings from the pandemic is that we need to look after our caregivers and care for them just like they have for us uh well all the time but even beyond above and beyond in the last two years um, yeah. So you mentioned that you kind of want to uh, do that moving forward so do you have any new innovations or offerings in the horizon and um, to take it to the next level
1: <laughs> yes. So currently, we're only in the US. Um, we're planning on opening up um, the empathy algorithm globally. Um, hopefully, you'll have it soon in the UK. <laughs> um, we want to be able to um, open the platform up to family caregivers as well so that they can be able to take advantage of, you know, the, um, the technology that we have to also improve their caregiving processes um, because we know that over 50 million people in the U.S. alone take care of their loved ones at home. And uh, we also want to um, uh, address that caregiver shortage, as I mentioned before, um, You know, remuneration, being able to support the small businesses to where the caregivers are also able to work for themselves, not just to be employed, to be able to have a better um, bargaining uh, power. Essentially, you have agencies that take a very big percentage um, from the wage um, of the caregivers, and we want to be able to empower, you know, everybody in this space to be um, financially secure as well.
0: I'll be are we, are we looking out for the update of when you're rolling out to other countries. That's so exciting. Um, yeah. Before we end the podcast, do you have any advice for anyone looking to start their own technology company, anyone who's looking to, who's found a, a gap in healthcare perhaps, or a problem they're passionate about solving, just like you have?
1: Um, so I think the biggest thing I would say is just be ready to put in a lot of time and uh, just be passionate about it because if it's if you're doing something that you love, um, then you will enjoy the journey. It, it has been a long journey, but I can say that uh, you know a lot of the times it's not just about about what we get out of something. It's about making a difference in somebody else's life, and especially for those who are vulnerable in our society, those who are not able to voice. Um, their needs and their wants, those who are not able to, <laughs> um, to, to basically say what's, what would make their day better. How do we solve the issues and how are we able, um, not just you know for myself or other people coming into this space, how do you solve those issues and how do you make somebody else's day a little bit better than it was before they use your product, basically. <laughs>
0: Well, you've definitely made my day better than it was. Uh, Your passion comes across from just speaking to you. So thank you so much for giving your time and sharing your experience and your vision with us. And thank Thank you everyone who's been listening. Um, You can catch all of our podcast episodes on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. And please do get in touch with us on Instagram as well. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much, Kezia, for your time.
1: Thank you for having me.